Hello, and thank you for listening to this special Monday Thursday podcast from April 18th, 2019 at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbonnais, Illinois. The sermon is entitled, On Earth is Not His Equal, and is based on the book of Job, chapter 41, verses 20 through 34. It was preached by Pastor Mike Hannell. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. If you haven't noticed it by now, I think it's true about you. I know it's true about me. We are people who always want to be in control. We want to be in control so that the way that things are matches up with what we think the way things should be. The only problem is each and every day we wake up and we find out that those two things don't line up. Uh, it's that unsettling feeling, isn't it, that the world just doesn't revolve around you. You want it to. You, you would hope that everything that would always happen would be pleasing for you, would be good for you. But it just doesn't seem to be that way, does it? Well, there are probably a lot of reasons. You find out that, yeah, the world doesn't revolve around you. There are other people in this world, too. And, and so sometimes they shape your reality and your world. You also find out that nature shapes your reality and your world. After all, maybe today you didn't plan for a rainy day. Maybe there were things that you wanted to do outside, but you couldn't do them. But it rains, and so you have to give up that control. You realize that you just have to deal with it. But what if instead of the rain coming, a hurricane comes? Can you still deal with it? Or suddenly do you realize, I don't know what to do? This Lenten season, we've been considering Job's story. There has been a lot there, a lot to think about, a lot to reflect on. But in case you haven't been here for that journey through the book of Job, just that brief synopsis. In the story of Job, we have Job, who is a righteous man, a man of faith. And one day, Satan comes up to God and says, You know, Job, you blessed him an awful lot. He seems to be living a very comfortable life. And I wonder, I wonder if the reason that he's so faithful, the reason that he trusts you and loves you, is because you've given him all of those things in his life. So, I bet if we took away some of those things, he would curse you in a moment. And so God allows Satan to do his part, to take away some of those blessings of Job's life, because God says, he won't curse me. I know Job. Job trusts me and believes me. It will be okay. And so at the beginning of the book of Job, 
Satan does what he wants. He takes from Job his children, his wealth, and his health. And Job realizes he's not in control of his life. Job realizes that he cannot change his circumstances. What does he do? He cries out. He cries out in pain and agony. He cries out to the people who are near him, but he also cries out to God. But he doesn't curse God. He cries out to God, and he waits. He waits. He challenges God and he waits for God to answer. And through most of the book of Job, God has not answered. We've heard a lot of voices, a lot of people talking, but we haven't heard God's voice. Last week, God finally spoke from that whirlwind and we heard God's voice loud and clear and God seemed to say one important thing to Job. Job, you're not in control. Job, you're not God. So stop trying to be God. Stop putting God on trial. See, Job, you don't have the power, you don't have the wisdom to do what I do, to be me. See, Job, you're trying to understand what is going on and therefore, by your understanding, get that sense of control back in your life. If you understand it, you'll feel like you can handle it. But Job, stop trying to understand it. Stop trying to control it. Job, trust me. Job, let me handle it. Because Job, I am the one who is in control. In our short Old Testament reading tonight from Job 41, it's a continuation of God's words to Job. Prior to this, God has been kind of going through all of creation and kind of making the point one after another, Job, do you understand these things? Job, did you put this world in its place? Job, do you understand how lions and donkeys and oxen work? Can you control them? Well, if you can't, then what makes you think that you can control me? But in our reading tonight, he gets to this creature called the Leviathan. And when he gets to the Leviathan, we all collectively scratch our heads. All right, I know what a lion is, I know what a donkey is, I know what oxen are, but what's a Leviathan? Short answer is, no one really knows. People have tried to make guesses. One of the most common guesses is that a leviathan is a crocodile. Did that description sound like a crocodile? 
you can look over it again. It, it just it doesn't seem to fit. When I grew up, uh, I always wanted the Leviathan to be a dinosaur because this was a good way for me to get dinosaurs right there in the story of the Bible. But we don't know. We don't know what creature this Leviathan is. But when you consider the words of Job 41, when you consider the description of what this Leviathan is like, you quickly realize that this does not sound like any ordinary creature. It sounds like a creature that breathes fire? Did it say fire comes out of its mouth? Well, I don't know. That, to me, sounds like a supernatural creature, a dragon. Game of Thrones people anywhere? Yeah, yeah. see? We're, we're cult- culturally, culturally relevant here. But is that what it is, a dragon? We look elsewhere in the Bible for Leviathan. Where else does it pop up? And we've, we put together a few more pieces. Earlier in the book of Job, Leviathan is mentioned in the context of Job wishing for his death. So Leviathan and death seem to go together. In the book of Isaiah, a Leviathan is linked and described as a serpent. Hmm. In the book of Revelation, Satan is called both a dragon and a serpent. So could it be that this Leviathan that God is talking about is not a creature of our animal world. It is not an imaginary creature, but it is a reference to Satan, that wily serpent of old. Martin Luther, I think, thought so. In that hymn that we just sang, maybe you caught those words, on earth is not his equal. That was talking about Satan. It was talking about the devil. But in our reading today, in Job 41, that is about the Leviathan. So once again, there's that connection between the Leviathan and Satan. So let's for a moment consider that maybe God is talking about Satan here in chapter 41. What do we know about Satan? Well, he is A creature. One who is created by God. And he is out. He is out to steal, to destroy, to kill. We all know him from the rear view mirror of our lives. We all know what it is like to feel his hot breath on the back of our necks. Satan is that great tempter. The one who says, all right. Now's the time to unload. You've been angry at this person all day. Now's the time to tell them exactly what you feel about them. Oh, you've been having some of those thoughts about that person, have you? Well, just keep on having those thoughts because you know as long as you don't do anything, nobody would ever know that you had those kinds of thoughts about that person. It's all good. Just keep thinking them. Ooh. Do you have a juicy piece of gossip 
Boy, that would really up your social game if you were able to share some of that. People would be coming to you for the latest news from now on. You would be really something. So go ahead. Tell them what you think. He's not just the tempter, though. He's also the deceiver. There won't be any consequences for that. Nobody will know. Right and wrong, don't let anybody tell you what is right and wrong. There are no limits in this world. Everything is just, it's so gray. So you just do what it is that you want to do. You know what's right for you. And then the trap will be sprung. When we do that thing, say that thing, see that thing, drink that thing, smoke that thing, Satan comes and he sticks his foot on our necks. And he says, Haha, you know what you did. I know what you did. God knows what you did. He doesn't want you anymore. You're not his kind of person. You knew that that was wrong. You knew that was against what he said, and you did it anyway. The more we think about it, the scarier it can be. Because we know it's not a mythical story. We know it's not hypothetical. We know that it happens in our lives. Satan is that powerful foe. He has no equal on earth. We cannot go up against him and be victorious. Satan will get us every single time. And so, it can be scary to consider Satan. It can be scary, but it must be considered. For whenever we delude ourselves with that thought that we can be in control of our life, in control of our situation, and we don't even take into account Satan, his presence and his power in our lives and our world, we are deceived. Satan is a powerful foe. But God is mightier. God is not afraid to talk to Job about this Leviathan, this creature that is more powerful than Job, because God knows that he is more powerful than that creature. God is the Almighty One. God is the One who controls all things, and He controls this most ancient foe of ours. God is the one who time and time again exhibits his mastery and dominance over Satan, that Leviathan. In the book of Job itself, we don't have to look very far. It's there in the opening pages. Satan comes to God and wants to put Job on trial. But he has to ask God's permission first. And when he wants to take things away from Job, he has to ask God's permission for that. And even then, God sets a limit. He says, you can take this stuff, but you can't harm Job. You can't kill him. And so there is great comfort in knowing that Satan has his limits. Not his limits, but the limits that God has set upon him. But that's not all. In the opening chapters of Job, we 
hear about this time when it seems that Satan has access to heaven. He has access to God and to his divine counsel. But by the time we turn the pages to the New Testament, that time has come to an end. In Jesus' incarnation, he began that assault against Satan and all of his powers. And in his own ministry, Jesus said that he saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning from the sky. Satan doesn't have that access to heaven anymore. Now earth is his domain. He's still powerful, but he is limited. But there's more. Jesus' victory, that victory that we celebrated on Palm Sunday, that victory that is assured by Jesus' death and that is sealed by Easter morning, that victory that is delivered to us in His holy meal as we receive His bread and His body, that victory will have as its final step the banishment of Satan into that lake of fire where Satan will no more be a part of our lives, will no more be a part of our thoughts. Satan's days are over. And the Son of God came into our world to overthrow Satan and his power. So, if Satan reminds you of his past, of your past, it's your job to remind him of his future. Who is Satan? In chapter 41 of Job, we consider him a ferocious creature. We consider him one who will come after us, who will stop at nothing. We know that that, uh, Satan is one who hates God. And he hates all of the people who trust in God. And so we know that he is going to come after us too. But we also know that he is a defeated enemy. We know that his days are numbered. We know that Jesus is the victorious one. So the question is, how does that make you feel? How does that change how you live your life? That you acknowledge Satan's power and his presence, but you know that he has ultimately been defeated. Not by you, but by Jesus. You know that his days are numbered. It seems to me that we, who are always trying to control things, should be able to loosen up a little bit. To loosen up our control of things and instead embrace God a little bit closer. Should be able to instead trust God a little bit more. To trust Him because of His great wisdom, His great love, and His great power for us. See, the events of these next couple days, as we hear the story of Jesus' passion, 
it can leave us disoriented. As you hear about Jesus being betrayed, mocked, beaten, scourged, and ultimately crucified, it might sound a lot like Satan is the one who is in control. On this night, before any of that happens, Jesus shares with his disciples this special meal, and he lets them know his body is going to be broken. His blood will be shed. But not all is lost. In fact, this is all according to God's great plan. God's great plan of salvation, which is our plan of victory. We cannot defeat Satan, but Jesus has. Those words, those words that we sang in the hymn, did you catch them? This world's prince may still scowl fierce as he will. He can harm us none. He's judged. The deed is done. One little word can fell him. You know that word. It has five letters, two syllables. The word that fells Satan is Jesus. In this meal, that same Jesus gives us himself, his real body, his real blood, his real victory. You don't have to be in control. You can trust your Savior who controls all things. You can come to his meal, to this holy communion, to our very own mighty fortress. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and risen Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to this special Monday Thursday podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Kankakee, Illinois. You can find this and other special podcasts by going to stpaulslutheran.net and clicking the sermons button at the top of the page. Thank you for listening and God's blessings.